Welcome to series four of the Bold Flavors podcast. I'm Timo, founder and CEO of Gusto, a B Corp certified company that loves food, data, people, technology, and the planet. We are currently delivering millions of meals every single week, and our vision is to be the most loved way to eat dinner. Our purpose is to have positive impact on people and the planet. And each week here on Bold Flavors, I'll be talking to top company founders, CEOs and business leaders about their journey so far, what makes them tick and how they achieve what they're achieving. Today, I'm talking to Maria, the CEO of Depop. Depop is a social e-commerce company that was sold to Etsy for over a billion dollars. Maria has done 15 years in scale-ups, and before that, she worked at Bain. She studied at INSEAD in Harvard, so is clearly really, really smart. What I love the most about her is how friendly, approachable, and open she is. In this episode, Maria will talk about the day she was appointed CEO, but only had three months of cash left in the bank how she dealt with being rejected by 50 funds and still succeeded, and how she stays sane despite so many challenges. Maria, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, first of all, like massive, massive congratulations on uh, the deal last year, Depop now being part of Etsy. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I mean, you must be so proud. You've, I think you've worked at Depop for eight, nine years. You've got, what, like 400 people. You've got 30 million customers, something I read in the news. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, seeing how Depop has morphed into one of the most exciting consumer-facing startups in all of um, the UK ecosystem. A huge, huge credit to you. I mean, it's just amazing. But before we talk about Depop, let's, let's talk about where you grew up. Sure. Yeah. So, um, as you can uh, hear from my accent, I'm not from from the UK. Um, I was born in in Valencia, Spain, and uh, yeah, I've been in terms of my professional career. I've spent the past, uh, let's say, 15 years working in scale ups, especially in the digital space. So, my first uh, experience was. Uh, a company called Privalia in Barcelona. It's a fashion, yeah, digital fashion business. And that was like my first experience outside of, you know, after university, I went to, to work for a management consulting firm because I don't, I didn't have a specific or uh, strong vocation, let's say. So I just wanted to learn and, and I was excited by building or, you know, growing businesses or solving business problems. So that was a good, let's say, learning ground for me. And when I, after about five, six years, I moved into this company in Spain and I, I, I totally loved it. I, I, I realized that that was where I wanted to continue my path. And so that led to working another um, digital, again, a consumer facing business uh, group on here in the UK. When I joined, it was, I guess it was after seed. So like quite small, we were like oh, wow. three people in the UK. Globally, we were a lot more. And it was actually uh, my city deal, was not Groupon. Groupon bought my city deal, which is a company that I joined. And for me, it was again a corroboration that I really wanted to be part of 
smaller, yeah, like early stages of a business, but not too early on. Um, I'm the founder, founder myself. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed that journey. I worked there for four years and then um, I felt that I wanted to continue that journey. And so I met one of the investors uh, deep up and uh, they explained me about, about the business, how they needed some support. And so, yeah, I joined in 2016. I joined as a VP of operations. So basically taking care of customer service, finance and whatever else, you know, needed some, some support to just, you know, uh, projects that needed to be um, executed. And after two years, I became the CEO. There was an opportunity for me to step up and, and yeah, I basically worked really closely with the founder, uh, Simon Beckerman, who founded the business back in 2011. And they and so basically we we joined forces. We are quite complementary. He focused a lot more on the product and branding side, while I focus on 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 the rest of the the pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, little by little, we we went into Series B, then then Series C, and then. Uh, and then the exit, which happened this year. You make it sound very easy. Um, <laughs> but so 15 years in scale-up land. So w- what specifically is kind of the attraction? Well, initially, was, as I said, like the, the, the fact that you are growing something, that you're, 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 you're building a team um, with, a, with a focus, uh, with a very clear aim, and you're all fighting for it and I really enjoy that that the 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 intensity of it and and seeing how you know you see the numbers going up you see the people uh, recognizing your brand um, especially with uh, Depop that was fascinating journey because at the very beginning actually happened in both cases when I I used to say to to my friends or my, my husband's friends what I do and in both cases, they were like, what? You're selling, selling coupons or you're selling secondhand? There's no, it doesn't make any sense. Like there's no no future for these sort of things, right? I'm sure you also had that in your own journey. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you have this conviction inside of you and, and, and you're like, it's not that I want to prove you wrong, but it's like, I, I really believe there's a huge opportunity um, because I was, seeing, I was seeing how, especially in the case of Depop, the amount of interactions that you could see in the platform when we were very small, the amount of messaging, the amount of uh, users just coming in to check what was going on. It was, it was very impressive. So I'm like, there is something here for sure. And seeing how the younger generations were adopting secondhand in a way that for my generation, because obviously I'm, I'm a lot older and how this skepticism, right. Around second half was, was not existent. And they were really taking it as a way to, you know, to either build their small business or just get some, you know, just join this entrepreneurial journey that is relatively easy to, to step in. So I was seeing all of this. So whenever I had that, those comments, they, they basically made me more stubborn around making it work. <laughs> Amazing. And, and I just want to go back by kind of one step. I mean, you studied in INSEAD, one of the best universities. You went to Harvard Business School. You worked at Permira uh, as an intern, one of the biggest private equity houses. You worked at Bain for, I don't know, five, six years, one of the best consultancies. Like, where, where's the drive? Where's kind of the excellence coming from? 
how did your parents shape your thinking? Was just everyone growing up in Valencia super competitive and like <laughs> driven or, you know, what? what's the secret sauce here? I don't know. I think there is, I come from a quite balanced um, household. Uh, my mother is an artist and my father, well, balance, I mean, quite different. So, you know, my mother is more from, you know, the artistic, creative world. And my father was an engineer and also a, an economist. And he traveled a lot. He he was CEO of a corporate. And uh, I was always attracted by 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 what he he was doing like maybe there's a bit of glamour around like he was traveling and bringing us gifts from all over the world and i was always super curious about what how he was growing that business but the fact that my mother was more on the creative world made me a bit more yeah like i said like a bit more balance around you know life is not just about you know growing making money and all that kind of stuff there is you know there's all the things to life uh, and then, yeah, and then just, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to management consulting because I saw that as a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have like a very, very clear idea of what I was going to land 20 years after. Of course, I didn't have that map in my head, but I did see how people going through uh, management consulting were actually able to have more open doors at the end of the, of their experience. And the same thing with MBA, I, I thought it would be a good way for me to get exposed to other things and, and pick up what I wanted to do. So it basically came from the fact that I didn't have that clear vocation, but I really enjoy, I, I, I really wanted to, to have those modules in my head, if you will, of like experiences that would allow me to do other things in the future. So that was something that was very much fixated in my head. And I don't, I don't really know where that come from, but it's just, you know, it's sometimes you just get attracted to things without not knowing. So, mm. so yeah, that's my own journey. <laughs> <laughs> just again, going back through the 15 years of scaling, were there like particular moments when you felt like, aha, you know, now I know this business is succeeding, whether it's Groupon or Depop, you know, was there an inflection point? Because, I mean, I, I started Gusto and I know how hard it is and you're burning a lot of cash and you're running out of money and, you know, it's painful. Are you thinking about kind of different chapters or inflection points in the journey? Yeah, so I've been asked that question a lot and it's like, it's tricky to say, hey, there was this moment where we reached 1 million registrations or in the case of, of, of Groupon, we were, we were doing like 1,000 voucher so like there are specific metrics where you are like wow like this is definitely working but at the very beginning you don't have those metrics at the very beginning it's more, more about it's more about a gut feeling around in the case of uh, Privalia for instance it was very clear that they had a very good very good executive team mm -hmm. and they were entering into something that there was not that many competitors and it was in the you know the time of e-commerce where people were not that confident about buying clothing online and so you know you're like well if all these other things are being bought online like books and electronics why fashion is not gonna why, why not what, what needs to happen well what needs to happen is that probably you need to sell it at a, at a discounted price and actually the business was about was called basically it's flash sales so where you provide branding items in a specific amount of time at a discount well that's the the the, the initial hook that people need to to have in order to, to, to give it a go so there were specific ingredients that you could see and say okay there is 
this potential. And then it's about having that com conviction and then the numbers come in. Of course, you need a bit of like some indication. And like I said, like I didn't found a business myself. So it's not like I started from zero. So there's always something bubbling in, but it's that bubbling plus all the other ingredients that you see and you're like, okay, this makes sense. Let's give it a go. I, I love that. And just on the point you just mentioned, I mean, clearly you are really entrepreneurial and you have seen businesses go from very small to very large. Have you just felt at some point you're not a founder or are you intrigued or it's not like, you know, being a founder is better than being a CEO or, or the other way around? I actually enjoy really much the scaling process mm -hmm. and uh, that starts, yeah, once the, the idea is already more or less in motion. So yeah, I sometimes question myself whether, you know, I see myself eventually founding a business, but I really enjoy the second phase of the business, of the, in the journey. I, I love the clarity. I mean, knowing what you enjoy the most and what gives you energy is like so powerful. And so, I mean, Depop has exploded, Groupon has exploded. Like what, what did you learn about yourself in terms of moving away, I guess, from being a consultant and doing the work towards being a leader, leading other leaders? Like what, what was kind of the personal journey like? Oh, it's been a very, uh, a very intense and steep journey especially when I um, became a CEO. First and foremost, because it was the first time. I'd never done that before. So I had no, I had no reference. Uh, I had no clear steps that I needed to, to take to be better at my job, right? Um, I rely a lot on, on my investors when I became CEO to help me. I also rely a lot on mentoring. I had my, my own coach through that journey just to, to help me navigate that and grow more as a leader. But by all means, it has been very much a learning on the job. And when, when I think about what I've learned, there's been so many learning opportunities because I saw myself taking the wrong decisions or taking too long to make those decisions or maybe, maybe being too, too fast. Or, so you learn loads just going through it. But the one thing that I... I surprised myself that I learned through this that I did not expect was how there's probably not a very clear recipe about how to become uh, a great leader, right? And the reason for that is because it's a very personal thing. So for me, understanding that I need to create my own style, like mm. a style that suits what, with my personality and try to fit a mold that is the mold that fits me versus mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever you read in, in, in articles, like, okay, 15 things that great leaders have, or <laughs> what do you need to do? Yeah, I read all these articles at the very beginning. It's like, okay, tell me how can I do, how can I be best at my, at my job? But it's more about self-awareness and realizing where you're good and what you're not good at, surround myself by people that can really compliment you on the pieces that you're not good at, and building that sense of, trust and, and, and loyalty in your team so that you can together um, create that sense of, of team and move things forward together. I, I think this is such a powerful point. Like every person is unique and everyone has to be authentic. However, everyone has this, you know, I did it. I read all these articles of how to be a great CEO and I kind of saw some CEOs and thought I have to be more like them. And I can't. And and so I think the, the big unblock, as you said, is kind of self-awareness. 
did anyone help you on the journey? Did you have coaches? Like what, what, what did it take, I guess, to build the confidence in you that the Maria brand is actually amazing? I'm part of a, a group of um, women in tech that are uh, CEOs and non-execs of, of companies. And we, we meet uh, regularly to talk about our own challenges and just sharing that with our peer group has been extremely helpful. And then as in terms of coaches, I had my, 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 my set of coaches that I have also changed over time. Um, so it's also quite important to know what kind of Of, of help do you need in which state of the way? Again, a very personal decision, but something that um, uh, has really helped me to focus on specific things. Uh, so obviously I was going through different uh, challenges through the journey. Mm. And what would you say today is what only Maria can do and, and kind of what does the team do? What do you focus on and what gives you the most energy? I'll start with that, the last question. Um, It, what gives me energy is to work with people and and share again opportunities, share challenges, just being in contact with people. And um, as an example, I was as you know, we're not going to the office as regularly as we used to. Mm. Um, now I'm aiming to go at least twice uh, twice a week. And I was in the office yesterday and spent some time with a customer support team. I spent some time with a new engineers that we're hiring. And we were just discussing about, you know, strategies that we need to put in place to, to hire and that, that kind of thing, like strategizing with the people, with the team and, and coming up with ideas and all of that gives me a lot of energy. I'm not someone that enjoys being on my desk, looking at materials and deciding on my own. I'm very much, a, I need the people around me. And I also need that balance between, hey, we're all here committed to work really hard, but you know, there's a personal angle about, you know, what people enjoy, what pe people's hobbies are, uh, what is the personal situation. I really enjoy that as well. So yeah, that definitely gives me energy. Uh, what was your first question? I forgot. <laughs> oh, the first one was, um, wh what is it that only Maria can do? What is that I can oh, do? Wow. I am very much, I don't take no as an answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I like to always look creatively for other options. This is the, the piece that I really enjoy. So I've, you will always ask me, you will always see me asking people, okay, is there another way of doing things? Is it, is there another option? Can we think about alternatives? Like this, I really, really, this is the, the piece that I, I liked, I enjoyed doing the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I love that. And I think it's super, super rare to be the contrarian and to think creatively and to just not accept reality and change reality and, and galvanize people behind it. It's super, super powerful. Exactly. Um, thanks for sharing. And how, how are you thinking about building a really great team? I mean, you, you are an incredibly nice, friendly, approachable, you know, down to earth, humble person. So I, I'm sure your team is hugely blessed to have you. But like, how, how did you kind of think about building a team? What have you learned about building a team? Um, yeah, so we've, we've, got, we've been through multiple stages, as you can imagine. Um, mm -hmm. From We started, when I joined, it was 30 people. And then, uh, as you said, we're about 400. And so at the very beginning, I, um, 
I really focused on trying to bring stability to the business and, and making sure that there was a clear direction. I think having that sense of purpose and, and those values associated with it was very important so people could, could have something to stick on. And as you can imagine as well, like when you're small, you, you don't have that brand recognition and it's, it's harder to bring people into the journey. So having those things set up in stone from the very beginning was, was super important. And then uh, what I focused on was in building a, uh, a management team, a leadership team that could help me grow um, the, different, the different areas. And yeah, so we went from like building a very generalist, generalist uh, team that was amazing at the very beginning because, of course, we were still in the process of like trying to understand what what structure we needed to have. So you need to have people that were quite adaptable mm-hmm. to then become, start bringing people that were a lot more specialized. So we bring a CFO, a growth a chief growth officer, and because we needed to really, really grow on the marketing side. So I'm trying to be quite adaptable in terms of the journey. And then um, in terms of like having that sense of, of team. And I think to the point that we talked about earlier, like I think it's very important that you you understand your own type of, you know, your your, your own type of leadership, um, that people buy into it, that they, you know, they, they, because, you know, you, you need to make sure that you bring people that are, that value the things that you value in the same way. Um, and then I'm a very, very fan of uh, this famous book uh, called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Love it, yes. Yeah. So at least I discovered it like, you know, half my half through my journey. And I was like, that's exactly it. Like, how do you make sure that you build that trust from early on, that you accept conflict? You know, it's fine to have conflict. It helps you to like really galvanize, as we said earlier. And um, yeah, so those principles had stuck to me ever since and whenever i have a new person joining the team i i send i send him or her the the book and then we we have we have obviously uh, sessions to discuss that we do also personality uh, assessments so that we also understand each other i i also try to in to really get to know the person personally. Um, it's not because we spend so much time, it's so intense, right? The day to day that it's important to know to know each each and every one of, of your team members on a personal level. I think that's probably been one of my biggest learnings. It's all about understanding, you know, every person in the team and what energizes them, what's their energy trough, how do you build them up again when when things are hard? And most of the time it's not work. But it's kind of everything around it. People go through divorce and have kids and all that stuff. And it has such a huge impact. Exactly. And then so so you mentioned you raised a lot of money, different series, A, B, C, whatever. You know, presumably you moved from VP operations to CEO. And then all of a sudden you had to spend a lot of time on stakeholders, on the external world, on media. How did you find kind of that that investor journey? Wow, it was it was hard. It was really, really hard because at the very beginning, when I when I step up as CEO, we didn't have that much that much money left in bank. Well, so I it was relatively easy for me to go back to the investors and say, "Hey, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, but <laughs> there's only three months left of runway. Wow. So if you want me to to take this." I just need some cash. And so I built a very quick model <laughs> on the back of you know, the numbers that I had. And I said, okay, I need 2 million from each of you. 
because we had four. So I was like, okay, fundraising is very easy. You know, you build a spreadsheet and then you ask <laughs> and that's it. But then series B uh, came in and it was really challenging. I spoke to about, I don't know, 40, 50 investors, both in the UK and Europe, but also in the US. And I received a lot of no's, a lot of, oh, this is great within your grade, Maria, but no. And so that really, really impacts your you know, as I was telling you earlier, that the skepticism that I faced at the very beginning about, hey, this is my job. And yeah, it, it was it was manageable. But when you're like, hey, if this skepticism continues and I don't manage mm-hmm. to, to, to raise, then, you know, there will be consequences. And, um, and so, so yeah, that were, there were moments where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to manage. Also, the fact that I was not the founder of the business and I was in the business as CEO for a year. Was not for sure was something that um, went through people's minds, and I don't blame them. But they would never tell you that that's the reason, right? They would say, "Oh, you know, there's something about you know the economics, or it's something about uh, secondhand, or Gen C is very fickle, you know, things like that." So you never know exactly the mm-hmm. reason. But I, yeah, managed to get two term sheets on uh, in Series B. Uh, one was from uh, Octopus. And so the the thing that I learned through that was that the person that was involved in that term sheet was someone that I had spoken to since I became CEO. So mm-hmm. someone that was very familiar with the business, very familiar with, with me, basically. Um, we built a, that relationship. I was keeping her, it was a woman, I was keeping her very involved in how we're doing. And yeah, that taught me that whenever you're going through these fundraisings, it's really important to know the the investors ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Don't People always tell you, oh yeah, don't ask for money when you need it. But it's more about build that relationship uh, earlier on. And so for Series C, instead of going to 40 people, I basically selected the, the investor that I have met through, the, through that journey because the, I did, I'm sure it happens with you, like you, you do develop a very good relationship with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are extremely knowledgeable and you get very much from, from those discussions. You learn a lot. It's a painful exercise, but you do, <laughs> learn, you do learn a lot about yourself, about how you, you know, you should sell the business, like sell the, the, the business idea and how you, you know, and the, through the challenges that they pose, you, you, you really, really learn through the process, right? And so I basically said, you know what, for seriously, I'm just going to select a group of 10 max people that I really know, they know me and see how that goes. And we got four term sheets out of 10. Wow. Well done. Congratulations. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And, and I just want to focus on the rejection point and the resilience point. I mean, you're one year into the CEO journey. You're getting 50 rejections. Yes, you succeeded. But people always only see the media announcement, you know, the big headline, Depop raises X, and they think Maria is genius. And of course, you are genius, but they don't see kind of the resilience, the crazy kind of level of rejection. Like, how did you stay sane? Like, what, you know, what was it like? And how did you continue to back yourself? Yeah, it's really, it's really hard. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's very important to have 
something else, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? If you if you just focus, if everything is around around that, it could be very very hard. But luckily, I have um, I have my family uh, that is super supportive. My husband's he's very very understanding of what I'm going through, and I've got my kids. And just having those those pillars uh, for me has have been invaluable. So, mm-hmm. you know, other people may have other things. They might have girlfriends, boyfriends, or pets, or whatever. But something that really grounds you and gives you perspective is uh, super important. Uh, it's a powerful point, and I really think it's that that small, tiny line between success and, and failure, especially in the early days of businesses, where it's all just about tenacity and a numbers game and resilience and not giving up, frankly. So, I mean, well done. And then Series C, you're getting four term sheets out of 10, 10 investors you're talking to. That's an insane kind of ratio. And so you raised all that money and then you had investors in the, in the, in the shareholder structure, on the board. How did you find the board journey? Yeah, the, the board journey was an interesting one because we had at the very beginning, we had lots of investors in, in the board and um, some of those investors move on because the, the funds close. And so there was a bit of uh, quite a lot of movement. And so what I really wanted to do is like build that kind of stability. And I was extremely lucky because I had, um, I think... We share the same board member, right? Uh, Mark Evans. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was he a chairman? Uh, no, he wasn't. But I mean, Mark has been an amazing cheerleader for the last six, seven, eight years. Um, and I, I owe him massively. He's, he's genius on many levels. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was extremely lucky to, you know, I had the chance to to get to know him. And he was also one of my mentors at the very beginning when I, when I step up as CEO and he was not the chair back in the days, but I basically, I guess, charm him. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't share many businesses. Well done. I mean, that's huge credit (laughs) to you. I mean, it it took me time because of course he had, uh, I don't know, he was involved in many boards, but I I was like, he, he, he would be perfect. And, um, yeah, I also have a very good personal relationship with him. So I was extremely lucky to have him as chair. Um, and so at the very beginning was again, very much around like building the stability, but also bring more non-execs, um, into the table so that there was not that much, you know, there was a bit more balance between investor views with more of operational views. Mm-hmm. So we had Chris Morton, who's the founder of List. Or, I know him well, yeah. Yeah, great. And then Supriya Ochil, who had um, a lot of background on, on, on product, which was an area that I really wanted to, to learn. She, she, is, she is, I think, ex-Amazon, ex-Booking.com. Exactly, exactly. Um, extremely experienced. And, um, and so, yeah, so that really that really helped to have those new voices in the table. And, and yeah, I think in terms of the board dynamic, ultimately, I think that the aim here is to have a, a group of people that really, that have obviously a lot of experience that can give you good, uh, good advice, but at the same time that uh, they trust you on, on the decisions that, that you make and they don't impose. And this is what I had actually with, with all of them. And they've been extremely, extremely supportive. But in terms of like the chair, I, I really, I really think that that is such a critical, critical figure in the board. And so when I think about Mark and how he has acted throughout these these years and how 
impartial he has been, how he's been very much about like really listening to everyone's voices and then taking all those inputs back and then playing them back to you actually mm-hmm. as a conclusion that he is a master on, on doing that, right? And so he is able to like build that trust with everyone so that they, nobody feels at all that he's got, you know, his own interest uh, pushing this agenda. He's, he really has the business and, you know, the team at heart together with the fact that he's extremely knowledgeable because he's been, mm-hmm. you know, doing this for many, many years. So yeah, he's really, when I think about him, I really think that he's a role model in terms of uh, a chair. And I just feel so, so lucky to have the chance to have seen that and experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same, hugely grateful to him. Learned so much more than from probably any, anyone else. And so we talked about the team. We talked about kind of culture, your own journey. Let, let's talk about how you continue to learn. Like what's, I mean, obviously you have to reinvent your job all the time, but what are you doing kind of to keep on learning? Yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoy talking to people in the industry, whether they're competitors or, you know, third party providers or uh, people that are actually in their journey, like uh, founders that are starting new businesses and how they think about how the industry is going to evolve. I really, really enjoy that. Um, I do have my fear of like, you know, business books um, that I that I always go through, but I, I really, really, to your point about energy and what ex- where do I see the excitement is it comes from like having those discussions and seeing how those things can impact our business. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I'm very extroverted. And so I just love talking to people and yeah. founders and CEOs and just interesting people, um, chairs. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge privilege and, and pleasure. And I saw you joined the ITV Digital Advisory Board. Like, what, what is that all about? Yeah, just, I wanted to start seeing myself being a bit more formally involved in other companies. Um, and... ITV is a public company and I didn't see myself yet uh, because of, of course, the, the, the time uh, required is, is, is a lot more intensive It's a public company. But there was this possibility of being part of this uh, digital advisory board where you are involved in the strategic decisions that they need to make, but you're not part of uh, the more formal uh, board. And so I'm like, okay, this could be a good testing ground for me to see whether I see myself eventually participating in, in boards. And so far it has been super interesting because as we were saying, like uh, seeing what all the challenges that people have in other, in other setups and how, even if it's a different industry, that there's some, so many similarities and being able to share your own challenges and how you overcome them or how you see the others doing that. It's been super interesting for me. Um, yeah. I mean, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I learned a ton through kind of, um, that type of, of stuff where you just gain perspective and you bring a lot of like gold nuggets back into the organization. And like, you know, if you think about Maria, I mean, you are crazy successful, but like, if you think about Maria in, I don't know, 10 years, like what's, what's the dream? Oh, it's very hard. <laughs> Say that. Uh, I'm curious to know what you would answer to that too. <laughs> but I would say keep enjoying, you know, what I'm doing. And uh, of course, on a personal level, I've got three kids and seeing them grow. It's, uh, it's a fascinating thing, you know, it's also hard, <laughs> but it's, uh, 
I'm really enjoying that. So yeah, I guess it's like, I want to I wanna continue to be part of uh, businesses that are doing something meaningful and I want to continue to learn and I want to continue to have fun with the people I work. Mm-hmm. Um, how and what do I do and all that? I don't know, but I'm glad to, I'm, I guess the, the piece that I'm the, the most proud of or happy about is the fact that I, I have found my path, you know? And, you know, some people do it a lot earlier than me or some people do it later, but if it makes me feel very comfortable to know that I am the place that I want to be. I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, it's taken me a couple of years where I kind of didn't really know who I am. Like, am I a founder? Am I a CEO? Am I, you know, am I an investor? Or like, what am I? And I, I think... At some point, I really kind of committed to trying to be the best possible CEO I can be and be authentic to who I am. And and since I made that commitment and just all the noise went away and I had this clarity and now I'm like passionately just focused on being the best version of myself. And yeah, so it, it does give a lot of energy and a lot of clarity and it just takes all the noise out, which hey. is really, really fun. Totally. And so um, I want to... I wanna, if I may ask about the kids, because scaling a company is crazy hard. And whether you are a man or a woman, but if you have a family and you're scaling a business and you've got young kids and you're not sleeping, like how, how did you find the experience? It must, must have been enormously hard. Yeah, I cannot lie. It's, uh, it's very hard. It is really hard. And so the way I manage it, which I always say, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm the role model in terms of managing these things. And if somebody is, please uh, come and tell me. I think it's a mix of things. So on the one hand, it's really important to 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 have a support structure. Mm. I've actually spoken to other actually business, business women that have, you know, like they're five years older than me. And yeah, I always I always ask them like, how did you do it? And and seeing that everyone had a very strong support function made me think like, okay, this is, this is something that I really need to put in place. Um, because I don't have my, my, my family here in London. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, it, it was hard for me to say, oh, you know what? I have to have a nanny or I have to have, you know, extra support. I, I at the beginning, I thought I had to do it all. And mm-hmm. so I, I, accepting that it was, it was just not possible. And trying to remove that guilt that comes from, yeah, I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. I don't know if it's a biological thing or just peer pressure that tells you, hey, you need to be, you need to be there. You need to be doing everything every day for them, right? And so I went through my own journey of realizing that, hey, I cannot do, I cannot be the best in everything. Uh, and so seeing also the, the 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 value of having my kids see especially my daughter, that as a woman, you can, you know, you have all these challenges and you still can do it was something valuable to me, for me too. Um, and so it's, it's been an, a, a journey. I had moments where I felt like, oh, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not a good mother and, and all that. But, you know, when you look back in time and you, you see where we are now, we're like, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy that I did it. Of course. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But I think every dad, every mom has this huge level of guilt. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing. I mean, you, you mentioned your family as a big source of energy, but what, what else do you do kind of to stay grounded, to, you know, take your mind off what energizes you? 
Yeah, I love uh, sports. So we are very um, active uh, family in that sense. Uh, we we go for walks together on the weekend. So this is the one thing that I always try to do. We we try to go out of, of London as much as we can. And yeah, we travel a lot. Of course, you know, visiting uh, family. My husband is French, so we go to, to, to France quite a lot or to Spain. All those things uh, give me a lot of energy, spending time with, with my loved ones. Amazing. I um, I lived in Valencia in 2007 oh, for six really? months. Yeah, America's <laughs> Cup. I worked for BMW as an intern. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I, I love Valencia. I'm a big, big fan. I tried to learn Spanish, but the problem was every single person working for the America's Cup spoke English or was English. And so of course, it, was, yeah. it was really hard to learn Spanish, but yeah. Oh, great. So did you, were you in, um, during Fallas in March? Um, so, so I went there in 2007, and then it, it st the project started in kind of January, and then it lasted until I think April. And so they had a, you know, BMW had a massive, you know, deintroduction of a new car, and they invited all the dealers from around the world to demonstrate the car. And so for months and months, they would have hundreds and hundreds of dealers every single day arrive from all over the world, and then they show them the car. Uh, and then at some point there was the America's Cup and everyone joined the premise, everyone got onto the boat. And so it was wow. event planning pretty much, project management. But it was, for me, it was fascinating because I still studied. I loved Valencia. I had gone there before um, socially. And then just seeing the intensity of running big projects where you work seven days a week, day and night, and you have huge ownership, just, just like really eye-opening. I wish I had done more local stuff, but uh, but no, it's it amazing. And I love the culture, the food, the music, everything it was really great. Yeah, Valencia is, um, is a great city. And the weather is, I think, is the best weather in the world. <laughs> do you not, what? Do you not like London? <laughs> Today I do. Let's see tomorrow. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I absolutely hear you. Yeah, Valencia is amazing for weather. Look, Maria, I want to thank you. This has been really, really fun. Thank you for um, sharing so openly. It's super inspirational and also really, really insightful. So thank you for your time. Thank you. 